0: now featuring asian cinema oh we're finally doing it we're branching out a little bit here guys i'm eric i'm charlie so a week or two ago when we were talking about what we wanted to do for future episodes kind of hit us that we've hardly covered
1: any foreign cinema hardly uh pretty much just italian horror yeah, we're we're an American podcast. We we watched a lot of American movies, and yeah, we've delved into a little bit of your full cheese and your Argento types yeah. here and there, but uh, we haven't yeah. dipped our toes into any other uh, foreign cinema. And let
0: me tell you, Charlie and I are both cultured <laughs> film film men here. Exactly. We're, but I think we're it does. We're smart fellows here. Uh, th- this podcast we read does, subtitles. Uh, <laughs> I read books, actually. <laughs> I read subtitles on And subscribe on to some magazines. So yeah, yeah. Uh, newsletters. You know, <laughs> all in a day. But I think our podcast so far has been really indicative of just the kind of thing we're more likely to be throwing on now. Sure. Uh, foreign cinema. I really went just tore through a lot of the classics. When I was much more uh, my college years.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When I was, uh, you know,
0: discovering cinema on my own, away from just what me and my family were going to see that weekend. Mm-hmm. It was me find, you know, discovering the IMDb top two fifty list when you know in the late nineties, and then going through all the Kurosawa and uh, right. Fellini and all these. Because now suddenly at college, I had this library filled with all of these movies. Uh, Sonoma State had a good.
1: Good classic movie selection. I rented a few things there in my time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So one of my favorite things in college, because I was really popular, would to be reserve one of the viewing rooms that were typically for classes, Mm -hmm. movie classes. And I would just reserve one for a certain time and then on one of my breaks between classes, either watch pro wrestling on the, <laughs> the big viewing room screen or so something they,
1: like double indemnity, you right. know? Uh, so they never asked you what you needed the room for? <laughs> no. It was open to, it's you know, because
0: people in film classes, sometimes they need access to watch sure. a movie for the, a specific class. The professor will say, yeah, we have it on. State had Laserdisc. Oh, yeah. And uh, VHS. That's where I first played a Laserdisc, was oh, checking movies. out movies from Sonoma State. Nice. And so, yeah, they just make them available to everybody. And yes, there were times when a class walked in on me when I was still <laughs> watching uh, just one guy in a big room just watching a movie
1: that I had. Um, Or professional wrestling. That, <laughs> that seems was like my... that would be even better. Just like <laughs> Your a pro wrestling. Like, I imagine a professor with, like, leather patches on the <laughs> elbows and, like, a pipe just, yeah. like... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm a little early here. Just a, and, just a and, and dork background with, mankind with the sock puppets, just a just... dork with a red rope, just to, like watching uh, oh, a. I'm almost done. Almost done. Uh,
0: I have the till three forty-five. Actually, <laughs> no, you can't set up your class early. Uh, that was my favorite thing. That was also like my cheap date. If there was a a girl I met on, on campus and we wanted to hang out, it's like we can get a a private wow. movie room
1: on campus date. Uh, you know. Hey man, you're thinking outside the box. I appreciate watch, that. Watch, let's go. Get well, a... what's the other option? You go to that weird little like deli yeah, patio right? they had. Yeah, yeah, you go to you know go to the oh,
0: the, the quad. I don't yeah. know, man. Like, uh, <laughs> or you can go get a viewing get a room tape. and we'll watch fucking Nashville, and it'll be great. You know, we'll watch Desperate Living. You know, and it was the best. That was nice. it was. I, I loved it, and but that's where I saw a lot of foreign films, because they had a deep criterion selection mm-hmm. on Laserdisc. And so last week, you know, it hit us that we hadn't been talking about all these other foreign movies that we've seen and loved. So we picked one that we hadn't seen, that we've both been somehow avoiding
1: for 20 years of our of our life. Yeah, this is kind of an interesting pick, uh, Vengeance is Mine. Vengeance is Mine, which is this awesome
0: not a. Can't even call it a crime drama.
1: It's a yeah. It's a that's what it's labeled as, and yeah. it's, it technically follows the exploits of a serial killer. Yeah. Um. It's much more Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Right.
0: Than a, I wouldn't consider that a, a really a horror movie or a crime drama. You're but just,
1: uh, yeah, it's it's actually more of like a deep, like subtextual, you know, s- societal. Yeah. Drama. Uh, it felt very, like, uh, Victor Hugo or, or, like, Charles Dickens, like, exploring the poor people. Sure. The, the, there's a lot of brothels and, and <laughs> there is people a lot. on the edge here.
0: Shohei Imamura has a lot of prostitutes in his movies. He make, he's oh, made man. a lot of movies about uh, prostitutes. That's and, the director. Yes. And uh, he really has a, a nice way of presenting, you know, the poor. Mm-hmm. like you said on film. He... He his uh, what drove us to this movie is you know it's an acclaimed movie. It's not like we're picking some unknown yes. gem. But what first brought it up recently, I was over at your place. You just uh, you have your gorgeous laser disc selection there. I got a little collection on display. Yeah. And up top you have a bunch of the Criterion laser disc collections. And that one stood out to me. I didn't realize you had it, and it's got this beautiful box. It's a in box. Booklet, set, because yeah. it's a longer movie, and so it's gotta be uh, seven laser
1: discs. It to is to contain two hours of it. It's five sides, yeah. Five it's three sides, discs. Man. It's a three disc, which is pretty rare. Did you watch it on the disc? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I popped in the disc last night. How were the uh how were the change disc spots? The flip disc uh, over Actually, those were pretty rough. Those were not great. <laughs> Those cut off uh, right in the middle of some yeah. scenes. I've had, yeah, the, the fun thing with laser discs is having to flip it halfway through or a quarter of the way through if it's a long movie. And <laughs> usually they try to end on a scene, but this movie, the scenes don't like end. Yeah. The scenes just kind of get interrupted by other scenes. So there was never really like a nice spot. So it would be like, it would feel like it was in the middle of a line <laughs> of dialogue. And then the disc would flip, and then it would just be a different scene on the other side. So it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I guess we just are in a different scene now. Yeah,
0: the only real transitions in this movie um, come because it jumps around a lot. It covers mm-hmm. a period of 35, 40 years, different amounts of time devoted to each of those, but none of them in order. Really, oh, the yeah. only scene breaks we get or are to tell us if it's one week later or 35 years earlier or you know less kind of gives us a big history that we keep jumping back mm-hmm. to and i like the way it laid this story out because yeah you go in knowing oh this movie's about a killer on the lamb well it's pretty much yeah what you know going in yeah it is kind of about that but it started to feel if patricia highsmith wrote henry portrait of a serial killer you're gonna have to help me with that she reference. did like the well like strangers on a train but more so the movie made me think about the tom ripley oh series sure 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 and there's been a lot of tom ripley movies i've loved every one of them mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite characters that somehow translates just beautifully to film this felt like a japanese ripley right because you think it's going to be about these murders and it kind of is but it also kind of isn't because spoilers from here on out this is a man that we really don't ever learn that much about we learn about these people we learn details of their lives but we still don't get a sense
1: of why their motivations
0: necessarily are uh, we get no especially from
1: him we actually get uh, a lot of like times where we think we know what's about to happen or what we think the motivations are and then he (laughs) does the exact opposite thing that you expect him to do.
0: Yeah, but it never feels like anything is done for a swerve and this is a man where you get these glimpses of life, then I start to think of it as like a we need to talk about Kevin Mm -hmm. kind of thing and we need to talk about Kevin we cut off when that kid's like 15 we don't see what's going to be yet to come and this movie is like that guy
1: if he's still kicking around at 40. It's what would have happened if had they not talked about Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well. <laughs> yeah, this is a character who is just a total social deviant. He just does bad things. Doesn't care about anyone. Yeah. Doesn't seem to care about himself even. Uh it's it's a total just misanthrope type uh you know, it's it's uh it's actually made me think a lot about uh the U.S. versus Japan as far as culture and okay. depictions of it. Yeah. Uh, because this guy is kind of like the serial killer version of Easy Rider. Yeah. He's just on his own. He is just like traveling. Doesn't really like stick with anyone in particular. People come and go. Yeah. But, you know. Even he, from one scheme to the next. We don't even. He's But in Easy Rider, like that's the heroic type yeah. character who then is killed by society. Right. right? This repressed society then can't handle his rebelliousness this is like the rebellious guy is attacking these innocent people in society and i think that you know japan is very much honoring your family and yeah the society above the individual uh so it's very interesting to see this kind of take on this guy who's throwing away all of this particular culture's norms but still choosing but like, to live within it he would have killed Literally in the U.S. Had he gotten over to the U.S. in this time, <laughs> this guy would have been a rock star. You know what I mean? Well, this guy, as we get
0: in all these histories of him, I thought the movie, it's, it's really hard to make a movie about this kind of uh, psychopath, sociopath kind of guy who feels nothing mm-hmm. and doesn't care that you don't feel nothing. And really and doesn't, doesn't have like nothing. an origin. Yeah, there's no origin story. The more you get these flashbacks, you find yourself waiting for the reveal. Waiting for the motivation, waiting for it until a certain point where you realize like there's no va- there's no motivation. Sometimes there's just bad guys. Exactly. And then it becomes once you realize that, it's hard not to glorify this guy, no matter how monstrous he is. It's hard not to turn it into a Clyde
1: Barrow situation, right. you know? Or like a Tyler Durden Right, just type you know this American anti-hero, and that's
0: what it would get turned into now, mm-hmm. which
1: sucks. In, in the in America, yes, absolutely.
0: yeah. And yeah. like I said, if you've seen Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer ever or recently, you know there's nobody that can view that guy as a. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this man is way more charming. But there's a lot of parallels. Her- Her- Henry meets a-, a lady, and you can see this alternate life. And you keep seeing these alternate lives this guy could be
1: leading. But you. It's keep... like Maniac. It's kind of there's yeah. that same subplot of Maniac where you're like, right. Man, if this guy was just an actual charming dude. Joe Spinell just pulled fine.
0: Caroline Monroe. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, you are not going to catch
0: better right. than that. Like, take it. Take yeah.
1: this option. And. Well, there's a long sequence in this movie where the guy is on the lamb having killed two men in the beginning of the movie. Very violent depictions of the murders. and But yeah, he meets a woman and you think, man, maybe he could just yeah, live quietly in this out-of-the-way brothel. <laughs> yeah. uh, of course, that doesn't happen. But
0: Yeah, and you you know it's not going to happen, but mm-hmm. this guy doesn't seem
1: cool for
0: it, but he also doesn't seem unwelcoming. When you make a movie about a presence like this, they should be a turnoff to the viewer. It, the kid we need to talk about Kevin was a monster, horrified Mm -hmm. me away from uh, even speaking with children. Oh, sure. Not worth it. (laughs) It sounds like a terrible idea. Any one of them could be a Kevin. These monsters' minds. You have no idea. Uh, Our character, Inokizu, is charming, and he's persuasive. But why? Right. (laughs) He doesn't care. He doesn't care that he's charming and persuasive. It's not like he's really using it to the fullest of his abilities 100 he knows he could be more charming he's just being persuasive and charming enough to get by but he has no goal he just is a guy who one day decides to murder when he's just
1: lived enough he's like i'm 40 this is it i guess that's what it seems like yeah there again there's no like tipping off point there's no <laughs> falling down where he can't yeah. get a cheeseburger or whatever it is you he's know it's like Bored. He just decides one day to attack essentially his coworkers. Yeah, uh, his old buddy, and uh, yeah, and like you said, he at, at one point he's like a con man in this movie. He's impersonating a lawyer. Yeah, he impersonates well, that's a the, professor. That's when it
0: became the the last. Geez, after you get past these grisly murders, which we'll yeah. jump back to, the next hour and a half is what feels like a Tom Ripley story to me because you are seeing him jump from town to town close by and trick people into giving him money in various ways by being charming and kind of a chameleon. Mm -hmm. And it's that great irony that you see the whole movie of more and more wanted posters being put up for this man. Who's just been on the run for two months and he is just the most plain looking guy. You know, he tries his best to cover up and, not be so brazen about it until again, as has every milestone in his life happened the same way. He just stops caring and just waits to either be caught or to move on to his next thing. This is a man who had no problem going to jail all throughout his life. Yeah, yeah. we He had no, in and problem, out of jail. no problem with consequences. That's the first thing we learn about him.
1: Yeah, he really doesn't have any fear of authority. He understands
0: the punishment and finds it fine. And yeah. th- that's the first thing we learn when we get this
1: great long shot of of. Uh, Ooh, I love that opening. That opening where the manhunt has concluded in this. Yeah. Uh, like you said, this is a movie that jumps around. So we open at the end where they've caught him, and there's this long procession of car, yeah. cop cars. And yeah, he's just going like, up this beautiful winding mountain he's, road. He's humming to himself and then saying, "Yeah, I'm going to be executed, probably in like three years for this. Yeah, yeah, I'll
0: drag out the proceedings for." <laughs> For a how, while. How but, old are you?
1: Fifty. I'll never be fifty-five. I loved all that beginning <laughs> yeah. stuff. You're just like, oh, this guy's such but a he's, dick. But
0: it's just this. Uh, but he's not even really rubbing it in or being that same kind of calculated. I feel nothing and I'm bragging about it. Kind of killer. Right. It's just this yeah. matter of fact. Like, I'm surprised that it took me till like age thirty-nine.
1: Yeah. Like I figured this would have happened sooner, but this is it. Yeah, but like you said, there's never a master plan here. He's no. he he can con people, and he does con little people here and there. But yeah, there's no like big, there's no long con. He in could place, easily. Right? This is a guy who there's could no easily Ripley hook a, a big up fish. Yeah,
0: he has opportunities too, and he kind of just nah, It's easier to just maintain this level, I guess. But he's you know done time for fraud, done mm-hmm. times for various assaults. Like he's just a bad guy. But he has no, re- like, there's nothing that he's railing against. There's never any that, you know, there's people he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. But he tends to pick innocents. All of his crimes are committed against innocents. Yeah.
1: This movie uh, can be a little frustrating because <laughs> there's a lot of people presented in the movie who deserve to die. <laughs> yeah. And they don't die. It's all the old professors and these innocent just nice little people that he meets along the way trying to they're struggling noodle shop they're fledgling
0: in like he just doesn't it's not like this is a guy targeting his victims and mapping out the best way to do it we find out in fact he's the he's doesn't seem like a man who's ever killed before or even considered the best way to
1: kill that was what jumped out at me is just how bad this guy is at killing. Yeah, this dude is not the great con man cuz like you said, they're on to him pretty quick. They've wanted posters, they know exactly who this guy is. <laughs> yeah. There's like this announcements man is in the system. There's announcements where they're like, "He may be posing as a professor or a lawyer." And yeah. he, and you see him like, "Oh shit." He's like,
0: "Well, those are my two guises." <laughs> so <laughs> That's all I've got. They're on to me. Yeah, yeah, this is this is like a career criminal, but not a guy who as in the, the Patricia Highsmith novels, prides himself on right. his criminal abilities and his chameleon tendencies. Like, no, he does a good job after the crimes are committed, but it's really no exit strategy crimes, minimal planning, kind of spur of the moment, usually.
1: And, uh, yeah, the first two that we get to see in detail, really My long, drawn-out detail, they're sloppy, Yeah, uh, real mess. Almost like thrill kills, like in the moment, and that's where we—that's where we almost get like the most traditional feeling. And I'm maybe I'll sound off saying this, but the blood spray that we get in the truck was so samurai. samurai Yeah, that was like he stabs this dude right in the chest, and then from yeah we see the windshield just go full splatter. I was like, whoa, are we getting this? neck
0: stabbing with a big old pumping? But it's brutal, expert. you know, and
1: it's not, like, cool violence. It's very much that just... Uh, I'm going to hammer uh, you in the head disgusting. a dozen times, yeah.
0: and then I'm going to plunge a knife into you 17 times just for the heck of it. But there's no joy. There's right. no, like, he's not getting off on this kill. It's just a thing that's like, well, it came to this.
1: <laughs> it got there.
0: This is a thing I haven't done yet. In the worst way. Yeah, yeah. This is a thing I'm doing. And then there's no like, all right, got to burn these clothes. Got to. No. Oh, he just runs off. He just runs off, covered in blood, wiping his bloody. He has got like a khaki work suit. This thing's just pink after a bit. And just like, all right, what am I going to do with these hands? I guess I could just rub them It is shirt. kind
1: of amazing he didn't get caught in the first five minutes of this yeah, movie. I think yeah. he had a change of clothes or in a bag. In his crime. Yeah.
0: And that's it. And it's one of those where you, you keep pointing like, all right. What drove him to this? Just, just not even stress. It appears like just a, uh, you know what? I'm bored with this. Yeah. I'm not even a boredom. The guy never seems just bored. With, he never talks about his malaise. He doesn't talk about anything. He just seems mad at the world, man. He just. Yeah, seems but not to... railing against anything, and he doesn't yeah. seem to even hate things. He gets small, minor joys. He has foods he likes, and you know. Ah. He seems to like women and he seems to be intrigued by certain personality types. He does engage with people mm -hmm. in ways that don't seem like games, but you don't learn anything and he doesn't care to learn about anybody else. It's just such a bizarre feeling to be left with. We've, uh, talked, you know, one of our favorite movies is the killing of a Chinese bookie. Mm -hmm. And, uh, That's a two-hour and 20-minute snapshot of a few days in the life of Cosmo. Yeah. Ben Gazzara. And this is, you know, a several-month at most, but also 40-year look at this other man. And you don't find yourself having gained much from this man's life. Yet it's fascinating the different relationships that he can cultivate. And if he wanted this all the possibilities he had open to him. And we deal with his family's fust- frustration at him not taking advantage of these, but not in a traditional way that we've seen in Japanese cinema where you're a failure if you only make it to the struggling assistant manager at mm-hmm. the, the textiles plant. Right. <laughs> you know? You brought shame to your town, but you not tons of shame. <laughs> it yep. also confirms again that I just certainly do not know a lot about the general affairs and relationships of the post-war Japanese. <laughs> they surprise me in so many ways. There's so, a lot so many of confusing of the little, things happening here. So many of the traditions that they keep intact while each of them all have their private little cunning secrets. Some of these secrets, uh, unfortunate and disturbing. Other just like, I like just having this thing. Mm -hmm. That I have and their own little private cunnings and their own little like these characters ways of knowing more than they let on, but biting by tradition and soldiering on on this other path. It's a lot of people that are getting by, but all doing what they don't really want to do. Mm -hmm. And you get a lot of insight into that with every conversation in this movie. So they feel like they're really going nowhere, the conversations
1: and the characters,
0: yet they're all like on their paths.
1: Yeah, I see it as uh so the the main kind of uh if there is like a, an origin uh we get a lot of the uh father son relationship. So right. our killer his father uh was a Christian and he was humiliated early in the movie and we see that kind of flashback to him being a kid and Right, when the emperor's basically confiscating the Pre-war. boats of farmers to yeah. prepare for the upcoming war. This is what the late 30s. Right. And so we see that relationship and the father and Eno uh, uh, Kizu's like actually gets a wife at one point and the father and the wife have an attraction, but they don't do anything because he's got this Christian values. <laughs> yeah. so, we get a lot of fascinating snapshots of relationships. So we get a lot of that, right? And then we get this uh, scene at the inn, you know, this time at the inn, and there's this kind of the owner of the inn is essentially terrorizing these two women who work for him. So... Here's well, what, here's what I gave The Here. owner of the yeah, the owner of the inn is is this beautiful woman who
0: ends up falling for. Well, is she the owner? I,
1: I thought maybe the guy was the owner and she had to work for him. Kind of a. I was a little confused. It's a sugar daddy situation, yeah, where yeah, yeah. he's paying her rent, but he's also but like It's her business. He's also like you would be out on the street without me, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's a lot of uh, every relationship in
0: this movie is about you know control mm-hmm. and dominance. But so many it presents just as many people who have this control and don't really care about having this control. As it does the people that are like in these controlling relationships
1: on either end of them. And I also I the way I saw it was this kind of juxtaposition of the religious control, the economic control of the inn and the money, you know, that this guy's holding this power over them. So it's like the way that people justify their actions, mm-hmm. and the this re- is and this is a character who does not ever ask for or look for justification, or you know have any kind of desire to justify his actions. He simply right. just does. If anybody, which I thought was feels
0: like they've
1: caught him in something,
0: he is a guy that will drop the con because he doesn't care. That's fascinating to me because. All con man movies are sticking to the con at whatever the cost, mm-hmm. and there's people that see through this guy's act, or find out who he is, or figure him out, and know he's dishonest, and they call him out, and he just will kind of laugh it off and go, "Well, yeah," <laughs> like, "What are we doing here?" Yeah, what are you right? Yeah, we do do, you know. Yeah, what are what are we even doing? And the the religious <laughs> bent really did feel uh, more like a European angle mm-hmm. for this kind of film, you know, where you're really getting into something like. Diary of a Country Priest or all the Bergman movies that also deal with, you know, either this ancient Swedish culture or if Christianity, Mm -hmm. you know, in that battle between the people that were bringing Christianity in against their older religions. And so I'm used to that much more in those type of uh, foreign films. And so I liked that angle of it and the things people would do in the name of religion while maybe covering up you know, their convictions mm-hmm. and maybe using, as it an a front and you finding out just how convicted uh, some of them are, which is always can be fascinating. But I loved all the different relationships in this, even the ones that were just unexplainable and unexpected, like the daughter-in-law and <laughs> Inukizu's yeah. father, which didn't expect it. And I didn't expect the, the cute, funny scene of Inukizu and his mother gambling. Totally. Yeah, Together. Yeah. And the mother figure he later kind of falls into later in the movie. That's the most... That's the heart of him. That's the most we see of any glimpse of, of good, mm-hmm.
1: is his relationship with his mother, which is still fractured. Which is the opposite and, of every other serial killer movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> they never get along with the mother. Yeah, that's the thing.
0: They intentionally the do not go... <laughs> Uh, a Freudian way with this. He hates his dad. A lot of people hate their dads. He likes his mom. A lot of people like his
1: mom, but he's not necessarily in a, he's not in a power struggle with his dad. But I think he really, yeah, I think he just hates that his dad tries to tell him what to do and tries to make him obey any kind of rule or law. Like that's what he hates. His idea idea. of,
0: of being a man and what it is to exist is so much different than his father's that they, they cannot get along in any way just because they have such different outlooks that neither of them care to sell the other one on. Mm-hmm. Inukizu di- is finds his father less of a man at the age of probably, what, 12, when he allows the emperor's army to confiscate their fishing boats. Right, We learn, kind of, that he took a payoff and then used it to buy this inn. But from that day forward... We already get the sense that this was a bad father-son relationship with a man and his 12-year-old son. It was like you get that shot of this kid's face where he's just like, I am never going to respect my dad. I know. Which is crazy. You lost him right there. You know, we don't like... <laughs> Some of us uh, will have those moments where your dad will do something. and It's more than just being embarrassed by your dad. It's just like... Ugh, this was a, this was low. We all have low. We all have low moments, you know. I'm sure our parents yeah. have seen us in low moments, but it's weird when the first time you see your parent in a low moment. But it, most of us don't go. Depending on what the moment is, man, I'm gonna disrespect my dad. <laughs>
1: like I am gonna not have any respect for this man forever. Well, if I heard my dad had done what the dad does in a scene in this movie. Out well, of nowhere, I'm not. That's gonna, over. <laughs> I don't
0: know the dog-killing culture of the post-war
1: Japanese uh, smaller islands. Well, Mister Mister Christian, uh, good Christian man here has has a scene where he kills a dog because it bit someone in a very unnecessarily brutal way. Yeah, we don't and we don't get a lot of detail on the dog boiling, so we can jump past it. Thanks, up. But it's one of those. There's ways just several it. moments like that though that are just like man, I was really feeling this certain thing for this person, and the movie now has just cut that, has severed that vein completely. It, by the end of this, it
0: really, I was getting a lot of the same feelings that I get from Michael Haneke. Sure. Where the yeah. you're seeing situations that you've seen played out in other movies, but you don't feel the same seeing these situations play out. Not that I'm saying we get other dog-boiling movies, but... All these movies where you're expected to side with a character, he doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, Haneke, you just find yourself kind of not liking yourself and the these people like, oh, really, everybody's better off uh, not diving into this kind of thing. And, you know, his movies that kind of make you question yourself and when you're expecting a violent reaction and kind of points the finger at you and sometimes in an annoying way and other times in a more reflective way and you it's your nature to watch a movie and want to root for a protagonist Mm -hmm. and be against an antagonist and there's bad people in this movie but there's not really necessarily protagonists right and any person that you can see well that reaction was justified and his father has plenty of justified reactions and in many ways he has the patience of a saint. He raised this boy who turned out to be just a cold blooded, you know. Imagine, uh, sometimes kids just got bad <laughs> I don't vibes. Think I can't imagine You know, sometimes yeah. <laughs> kids just got these bad vibes, man. And sure, the parent's going to get the blame for, for all of it. And, but this man is, has had it tough. Right. His wife has had an illness for a long time. We the don't, the dad, really, yeah. Yeah. We don't really get what any of their motivations are, but. Their situations are not unfamiliar yeah, and they seem relatable, but we're kind of taught to not try to relate to these people.
1: Well, it's like we're at such a a low enough class in this movie that, you know, maybe there is no motivation. These people are just trying to get by. I mean, it's day to day kind of stuff. You know, this and I the one thing that I was going to say is I don't really know how much a a yen is worth compared to American (laughs) dollars. I should have looked at an inflation calculator. because So it's hard for me to be like, yeah, he stole a 100,000 yen off that guy. Is that a lot? (laughs) Is that a lot of money? I should have prepared this uh, (laughs) earlier. We get nothing but... uh, But but I get the sense it's not that much. It's a few bills. This is a guy who's getting
0: by stealing like $400 (laughs) at a time. We talked about
1: this, how he's never targeting big fish. And, you know... Again, with well, that's like that's what people, you know, when you're in a situation where you're basically just starving and and trying to survive and paying the mm-hmm. bills, you don't have time for a motivation yeah, or, or a plan. I you didn't know? really
0: get the sense that a lot of these people were poor. This feels just mm-hmm. like a very, you know, a lower class existence, not quite middle class, but they all had you know noodle shops and an inn that had enough business. Yeah, and they prostitution. Were, yeah, was a big part of that. Prostitution business. Prostitution was uh, you know. <laughs> It, it didn't really necessarily seem to be looked down upon though it just yeah. seemed to be a job. And these were all people who you know found jobs and he was the guy just bumming around not finding a job within a society where your career very much defines you-hmm
1: Well, it, I, I guess yeah for me it was like seeing that the other people at the inn would be like the guy working at the train station. Right. You know, and, and him being a professor was very much like a you're a professor. Very well uh, with respected. The books. And yeah. I once we get
0: into his actual cons and we see his ability to charm, not in a a super silver tongue way, you know, he's not a totally different man than he was as this killer. It's like mm-hmm. a Clark Kent thing. It's like well he slicked his hair back a bit right. and put on some glasses, on glasses and he doesn't really behave that differently. He was charming with the people he killed. You know, he, he is a the best con man, know exactly the level to play at. They know the person's level, and they meet them at that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see him conning a variety of people, you know, and being good at it, being very good at it, to the point where, why isn't he applying this slightly differently? Right. He just doesn't want him. He doesn't even really want to be doing... It's not like he's the guy... My favorite thing about con movies is how they set up a con. There's no setup. We get him just doing it because mm-hmm. he's good at it. He's doing it because he can. This guy just does things because he can.
1: It's a it's a lot of it seems very opportunistic. Mm-hmm. You know, he just happens to get share a cab with the old man and then we see later he's basically killed that guy and taken up his stuff and yeah I, it's it, it there yeah like like I said earlier this is not a guy with a master plan, but it makes you wonder like Did serial killers have master plans? Like, were there, I mean, a lot of these guys had manifestos and things that they, but maybe what if you're a guy who doesn't really want anything? Yeah. Like like a lot of this, the most famous serial killers
0: had a plan in as much as they targeted uh, certain types. Right. Sure. Ted Bundy. They had anger. You know, Ted Bundy uh, had a specific type that he would look for and he obviously was good about choosing his time and place because he got away with a lot. Mm -hmm. And this guy is that same kind of opportunistic, but doesn't wait for necessarily the right time or the right one to come along. He'll just take the next one Mm -hmm. to come along. I liked that twist of him being recognized by a lawyer and the lawyer being like, this is a great opportunity for me because he... Because he actually recognizes him in the cab when they share a cab after he's just conned a woman out of a hundred thousand. Right, again. right, right. That's the guy he shares. And the, the lawyers cab with. got this great idea of like I just randomly am sharing a cab with now the most high profile client mm. in the country. Right. And our killer's just going like, What an opportunity for me. I get to kill this
1: guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is great. And that was really kind of jarring for me is this man is so normal and so just empty in a like what are you going to do kind of way nobody in this movie even the police who arrest him after the manhunt have a problem being around him in super close quarters with no restraints of any kind
1: yeah that that was one that threw me off early in the movie when they're doing a uh, an interrogation scene And he's like not giving them anything. And then he flips a table over. Yeah. And they just put the table back and like put the lamp back on the table. And they don't, they're not like, knock it off. They just keep going. And I'm like, that would never happen. When I saw that scene, it was so, it,
0: it really made me start thinking about what I was seeing. Because that table flipping scene was so uncharacteristic. From them, what we keep seeing about this guy. Right. Who's not known for these kind of outbursts and seems very like too, uncaring. Yeah. And it really made me think how much of the movie was all about putting on the right face for the right crowd. You play your character. And in that society at that time, you had to play your character. Mm-hmm. You played your role. Certain level of people, prostitutes, were only getting a certain level of respect. You know, like you said, people were impressed with professor, lawyer. These were like, if somebody you find out somebody's a teacher now. Nobody goes, oh, <laughs> right. I see. Right. That's one of the top 17 business schools in this prefecture. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Like nobody, you know, it's a job. But uh, it was so yeah. much part of your identity and playing your character and your role within a household, your role within your life. That's what that society was about. And this guy doesn't care about his role. So that scene when he was being interrogated and just saying, like, I'm not going to say anything. Like, you guys know what I did. I'm not going to, like, I'm fine dying. Why do you guys care if I'm accepting my punishment? So that felt like, oh, yeah, and then I get mad, and then I flip the table, and then, you know, and they're playing their cop role. And it's like they're all playing... They're parts, and it was that just, makes sense. Yeah. So it was this kind of step back that we're not just seeing this man's life. It's just it's elements of of that I that just gave me the vibe of a stage play. Hmm. So then later I looked it up, and even though this movie has so many different locations, and I loved all the the settings for this this movie, it was a stage play. Hmm. It was really this. I became more and more interested. And about this story of kind of nothing but something, but we aren't focusing on the something. We're focusing more on the nothingness of it and these ways that you can find yourself drawn to another person, even if you don't know this person. And I found this interview with uh, the director. I don't know when it was conducted, but with uh, Imamura. Mm-hmm. It was a 10 minute interview. At the end of the interview, I knew less about this dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew, before I even knew what he looked like, ah, makes this sense. guy was Inukizu, and he's just applying himself into making <laughs> movies. It was, I gotta, I gotta show you this interview, man. I'll check it out. He just chain smokes cigarettes through the interview. It's not in, like, a inside-the-actor-studio scenario where they've got, like, a nice little leatherback chair, and they're right, sitting across right. from each other. He's in, like, a classroom, kind of. Like almost an interrogation room. There's some books on shelves. There's a guy talking off camera. There's a couple He's just wearing like a sweater. Mm-hmm. He's just smoking these cigarettes. He asks for a cigarette the same way Ken Ogata asks for a cigarette in the interrogation room Whoa. of this movie. He's being interviewed and then he just does the like finger tap <laughs> to his lips and a guy just produces a cigarette off camera that he immediately lights again Damn. while talking through it. I didn't get any sense of why he wanted to make this movie. It was based off of a very popular book Mm -hmm. in Japan from a
1: few years before. But the book was like documentary style. Book was based on an actual case. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So the. Yeah. Well, Did did the detective write the book? I, I'm not I, sure who wrote the book. Um, I think the detective wrote the book about the case, but it
0: was very much true crime documentary yeah. style. And Imamura takes it, it is very true crime in a lot of ways, but it is n- no focus whatsoever on the procedural portion
1: of this. Yeah. I, I The interesting little tidbit I thought uh, when I was reading up on, yeah, because I did not know who Imamura was. Um, so reading up on it, he was you know kind of new wave in Japan. Yeah. Uh, well, tried to try to make a big movie in the late '60s. It bombed, and then he made documentaries for ten years. Yeah, and then came back to narrative film with this. This movie. was his return after ten years. And so interesting to take like this true story, <laughs> right? That and uh, make a movie like this, and have such a kind of detached way of telling oh, man. the story. It was so fascinating. That's the old... I thought that was an interesting tidbit. Yeah, yeah. What is the uh, the profound what? desires of the gods? Was that movie. was the bomb. He, Ooh, man! I, hey, are you guys going out to see *Profound Desire of the Gods* this weekend, or what? <laughs> let's go. Let's get the whole gang. It. Yeah, let's get the gang. Do you guys pro- go to see *Profound*, <laughs> *Profound Desires*? So he had it? that. <laughs> they
0: asked him about this. They start the interview by going, "So this is your return to film after ten years after your movie *Profound Desires of the Gods*," and he's just you get the very Herzog has that just wit. And quotability about right. him. Sure. So when Herzog is like, "This was the worst
1: picture," <laughs> I, you know, like
0: you're just like, "Oh my god!" Everything this guy says is incredible. Right. This guy seems so like about that movie. His bomb. He said, "I had such a bad time making oh. that picture. I hated actors afterwards. <laughs> I hate. That's why he made that documentaries. Makes that makes sense. He hated working with the actors on the movie so much that he's just like, nope." Not for me, I guess. And the only, but there's no, there's no like, but then I learned from doing this, just like Inokizu, there's no learning. There's just like, and so then I just did these other movies. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, well what made him go back? What made him want to, to come back and make this movie of all movies? I have no idea. I watched an interview with him, but I have no idea. But he did talk about Oh, the book was popular at the time, so then I decided to go visit these same locations that I had never been to. And So mm. then the guy basically lives out this same thing of just scouting these kind of locations. Just traces and,
1: the steps of a serial killer. Yeah, just spending the <laughs> time on the path.
0: Yeah, and he found himself just... These areas are pleasant. I like these. Hmm. I like these locations. I'd like to make a movie here. Turns out they... One of their principal filming locations the sister of the real killer owned the noodle shop that they would all go to Jesus. all the crew. So he didn't intend to have this, this close, but it's such a small community. It's such a small area. He, he uh, our killer even says that in the movie, you know, for such a small island, such a small country. I've, there's so much of it. I haven't been to, but the weird thing is it's, it's like he does these killings, and then decides to see his, his beautiful country. It's like, man, you could have done this, but he doesn't right. care because he has no plan. Like, you could have been just conning your way through the countryside your whole through your 70s. You could have been pulling dirty, rotten scoundrels shit for the next 50 years. You're good at it. But one day, he just decided to kill some dudes. Right. And so he's just like, well, time to see these places I've been meaning to see. Maybe kill, maybe some more killings along the way if i feel like it if i get tired of a certain area and so i don't the director didn't seem to know why he made this movie or why he was drawn to it but it, maybe it's just this putting up with the characters <laughs> dealing with these characters and people playing their role this guy was just playing his role this director was playing his role hmm. and i still don't understand his <laughs> role in it but i love I think that's okay. Yeah, I love this lack of, or a seeming lack of motivation. Right. Well, everyone that's, everyone yeah, needs that's to what publicize
1: I was, their motivations. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I was reading up, looking at, at what people were writing about this film, because it is pretty highly regarded, obviously, a Criterion release. Right. So it's got that. But yeah, it uh, everything was like, yeah, he does, he's not trying to make sense of it. He's just showing you the senselessness of this trajectory, You know, But it this never path. feels... Uh, just, just to make it, but it's like a not relatable, but uh, <laughs> the word was palpable. Like palpable, interesting. Um, to make the senselessness palpable was something someone wrote that I was like, that that I can feel a I've, little bit. I've talked about the relationships in here. We've not
0: really talked about his relationship with Karu, a small inn
1: owner who who is under kind of yeah uh, the the one person servitude. you really. I mean, the one person I found myself really rooting for. Yes. This movie.
0: I really wanted a something different from her. Yeah. And that's what brought me back to Henry portrait of a serial killer, the girl who, you know, Henry comes into their home because her brother is a convict that befriends Henry in prison. And this woman's just trying. She's mm-hmm. trying you know, she goes to work, she's got this con man brother, and she's struggling. She's but she's doing her best. And I really was rooting for Karu in this movie. She's so She's kind of fun. <laughs> I like her her outlook sure. on life. And you can see why... She's
1: welcoming. Like, she's someone who's just been... You could tell has just gotten the shit kicked out of her over the years. Yeah. Uh, her mother goes to jail and ruins her life, And her mother
0: murders a man. And we get Enkizu's oh, en- en- relationship with, with that mother, which is such a bizarre, like, surreal
1: that companionship. And seemed and- like an actual goblin character i like thought that. i thought she was actually wearing facial prosthetics <laughs> okay the good. first couple times we saw her i i thought that there's because they kind be of hit her like
0: she was like one of the children in the brood right or something just kind of look at she's like a peeper so we see her through like holes in the wall just kind of like Ugh. yeah exactly. and just like who is this character? but despite all that
1: yeah uh yeah haru is like this character who's just nice and welcoming and and uh yeah. yeah, wants to maybe see the better She's part of very people. very sweet. Yeah. And very- And of course, that's not going to get you very far in this kind of movie, but-
0: But when he develops this relationship with both her and her mother, the way they get from A to B to C is so weird, but also kind of nice. Mm-hmm. And even when you know you're watching a monster, it's not like I felt myself being charmed by him. I just felt myself liking this weird alternate path that he's- temporarily creating for himself and you gain a little bit of insight into his relationship with his mother when he so quickly develops this relationship with a weird woman (laughs) and (laughs) the murderous
1: mother he always wanted yeah yeah maybe
0: but he even says like he sees this fractal relationship between mother and daughter and he gives the mom money to go to her precious boat races that she's pitching a fit about seeing just pots and pans going oh everywhere. Oh my goodness! A lot she of boat can't race see her talk. Boat race. A lot of boat race culture that I didn't know existed. Yeah, I did not know
1: that was a thing, but yeah. it makes sense. Cool boat race footage <laughs> out of the boat races. They talk about the boat races, and they're at the boat races. Weren't you at the boat races earlier? Yeah, on? we were just at the boat races. A lot of lot of talk about boat races. <laughs> it's two hours and
0: twenty minutes. You're going to hear some talk about <laughs> uh, get some boat, boat races. races. But he even says like. I don't see my mother, so I can't do nice things for her. So I might as well do nice things for you. Mm. This is a guy, that's the first time we've ever really glimpsed, and he could be conning. I was that's I was just going to say, is he conning there? But he also... You never know. He likes his mom, but I think he likes his mom because she understands him the most and gives him the least shit for it. Exactly. She, she gives him money. She doesn't give him a hard time when he gets out of jail. Their scene in the movie... And it's weird looking back, but was maybe my favorite scene in the movie when he's out of jail for the who knows how many times. He just did 18 months for fraud. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it, we don't see his jail time. We don't see him whiling his ways. He knows he fucked up. And then he's like, all right, well, I'll be back in right. two to three. Don't No need <laughs> to come see me if you want, I guess. But I don't need it. Right. So now he comes back. He's out of jail. And he's just at like a casino just an offshore, just, you know, just a little strip you know slot machine playing the the little plinko kind of machine and she sees him through a window and goes like you're out of jail you came here first and he's like i would have gotten there mm-hmm. like and she's not too offended and it's like they have that little connection where she understands this specific emptiness of him she's disappointed yeah in but maybe she accepts his it. actions but yeah. she accepts him and they have this understanding. They might not even like each other, but there's a connection because of the understanding. Mm-hmm. She immediately gets him out money and she's like, ah, I know what makes you like to see me. And he's like, <laughs> You're not wrong. Like, you got me. Yeah. And then they just sit there and, you know, he even asked, How's your health? It's good, but it's bad. They get the formalities out of the way quick. Mm-hmm. They don't care about the other's personal life. They know they don't care. But then it's that. That shot of them just playing their machines from behind as we pan out and fade away. I loved it. And that gave, us, gave me a little something to hold on to. So when he starts getting this same kind of relationship with the mother of, of Haru and he's not letting her in necessarily. He's just killing time. But he likes killing time with her. And she's the same. We keep thinking we're gonna get insight into what put her in jail for fifteen years, mm-hmm. her murder. We really don't. She just said <laughs> I she got didn't like sick him of it. Him and I li- didn't like it, yeah. but I killed the old battle axe. <laughs> Felt great. Didn't plan. And it's and he gets that connection, and she hates that he has that connection. Right? You think we're the same? We're not. Like I enjoyed killing. You don't seem like you enjoy anything. And he's like, yeah. I guess you're right oh my gosh like you can't get inside this guy because there's nothing to get inside Mm -hmm. and that could be a real turnoff in a movie but it wasn't for me again I was not charmed by him but I was not like why am I watching a 140 minute movie about this empty dark asshole right I never got that I never got to that point I wanted to see more of him when it was over, I wish, I wish I got more of him, which is weird to, to That's, think.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if I would go that far. Uh, I think I got just enough of this guy. Um, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, this is definitely like a slow, fractured story. You know, fractured timeline. Uh, this is not an easy watch. This is a purposefully challenging watch. And yeah. yeah, there was, I, I'd say it took me about an hour to really get what was going on in it. You know, I think uh, it took me a little bit to get in the, we, the we rhythm. We go in
0: with our preconceived movie
1: yeah. thoughts of, of we've seen it's enough similar rhythm, movies. It, even if you watch Japanese cinema, uh, if you're at least you know familiar with something like Kurosawa, who is slow. Yes. This is not that kind of slow. This is a very like, wait, why? What's, uh? Mm, there's a bit of that. <laughs> Especially in the first hour, like I said, but when people are doing and
0: reacting differently than you expect, yeah. Uh, it, it forces you out of your comfort zone really quick. Yeah. And when we get in deep into his relationship with Haru, it's, a, it's nice, and she even acknowledges that we don't know anything about each other, but I can't, I'm a sucker for human attraction. I love seeing humans uh, who like other humans. And, that explains uh, the porn addiction. No. <laughs> you know, it's nice seeing. It's why one of my very favorite, maybe my favorite movie the last several years was "Call Me by Your Name." Mm-hmm. I love seeing those characters who love each other and just take joy in each other. You like the before movies, the link later. Oh yeah, that kind of I'm stuff. A big fan of, of know s- that, especially Sunrise and Sunset. Mm. I love seeing the two of them. People that seem like they're curious about each other is really nice to see. Yeah, you get, and, you get a little of that here. And that curiosity, yeah. and not a coyness really, but that initial attraction, and these people who even when they admit, like, we don't know each other like at all, and he's not admitted anything because he's not that kind of guy, but mm-hmm. she admits it and accepts it. And it's that kind of
1: human attraction that's one of the joys in life. And even when she kind of finds out that he's this bad guy, you know, there is almost like this. Uh, she doesn't go run away screaming to the police, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. She's upset, obviously, but I yeah, like th- how there is Im- this kind of strange, like, um, I could probably still make this work. <laughs> Ibn Mura is pretty impressive on not
0: showing us payoff reactions to certain things just glimpses
1: Mm -hmm.
0: we get when the when the detectives in that one you know flash forward shot visit his parents and tell you we just see them telling him we just see the mother kind of break down and cry we get a similar breakdown from haru when she's processing a lot Mm-hmm. lot to unpack all of a sudden. <laughs> when that's a, when you said, like, the man may like going to movies with innkeepers. Yeah, she finds and out in, looks, the, she, in the
1: announcement in the movie theater, yeah, where he's, like, sinking in his chair. Yeah, just like, yeah, <laughs> collar up, sunglasses <clears throat> on,
0: making... Cu- he's even making a just, like, hoo oh boy. Yeah. Like, outside of just oh, loosening he, <laughs> his collar, going, ooh. He's got the sweats going. Yeah, yeah. and she's kind of looking over, just like, wait a Seriously? second. Seriously? Yeah. and Just doing it. He and he's just kind of. But then, obviously, they watch the movie together. Because the <laughs> next we see him is them leaving the theater with a huge yeah. crowd. Yeah. So it's like she's processing this and she's been trying to process this. Probably couldn't focus on the movie too much, sadly. I, that yeah. movie experience would have been tough.
1: <laughs> but she stuck it That's out. It's a hard watch. But she doesn't she stuck walk out, out of through. the movie.
0: If it was Chaos Walking, she <laughs> would have been. <laughs>
1: She would have hit the. Would have been the like, worst. She's like, you
0: know what? It's not worth it. It's not. I'm seeing this with a murderer. You know what? <laughs> not worth it. What's the Two level strikes. of movie that would keep you in the screen <laughs> with a guy you just found out was a murderer? Right. It's like, oh, when am I going to get another chance to see <laughs> Streets of Fire in the theater? I'll gut it out. I'll gut it out. It's an hour 50. I can stick this out.
1: Or, what if it's like, uh, man, uh, Dark Knight Returns is kind of sucking. Or, Dark Knight Rises yeah, yeah, yeah. like, kind of sucks. But I'm already not into this. I've already watched the first two of the series. I might as well see where this thing goes. But I'm not enjoying this Bane performance <laughs> right now. And? Plus, the guy next to me is probably that serial killer from the police bulletin. <laughs> I know. It's amazing to me how. And Hathaway is Catwoman. And this guy's a killer. And next this to guy
0: me. next to me, <laughs> elbow to elbow. I it, it the way Haneke makes me look at my own reactions and my own feelings is you see yourself being manipulated in movies where when you see other people reacting and other people emotionally losing it you know you're tying yourself to these characters mm-hmm. and since you're not seeing him reacting and really people aren't reacting as gravely as they could be it really puts kind of the finger on you to say like is it me who's demanding these people react a certain way is, and I like how Imamura doesn't fall into these traps and so we get this big street scene with them leaving the theater and he's like been seemingly enjoying his time with her but kind of just shrugging with his hands in his pockets like alright well <laughs> what do we do with this now where do we go from here and right. you see this full range of emotions from her in just five seconds where she at the same time wants to do everything for this guy because why not what else does she have going on
1: right exactly that's what i mean like it's like as bad as things are Mm -hmm. maybe this killer could take her in a different direction yeah and and yeah you you get the sense that she's really kind of feeling that way and then you get the sense he is not
0: i think the clue that the movie gives us into this relationship being more real than some of his other relationships are when he sends her money to just buy something nice. He doesn't like do the, I'm gonna pay your rent, I'll be that new guy. But he, when he's moved on to a new town after another murder, you don't get the sense that he reaches out to people that often. You The the sense that he tries to keep relationships because he really doesn't care if they want a relationship with him. So when he sends her money and and it's not because he's just keeping up an acquaintance to kill. I think that's important. He's not keeping someone on the hook for the purposes of having them as a victim. He's actually connecting in a small way with them. And that was big for me. And it made me like their relationship more.
1: Even though I don't like him. <laughs> I am anti Inukizu. Yeah, that's the tough part because yeah, this is not. It's like this is not even an anti-hero kind of character. This isn't the like I said. This is not the easy writer where you're like, man, no. just leave him alone, man. <laughs> this is like a bad dude. Yeah, and yeah, the dude in Vanishing
0: Point just like is <laughs> illegally trafficking a vehicle. Right. He's not. not hurting he's anybody. not just. On an 80-day manhunt for five murders, you know? He's just like, I just want to speed in in my car, in my Challenger. And uh, no, not this man. No. And wow, I I was surprised at how engrossed I was in a man who had no entry point, had no way to connect to. Mm -hmm. And the actors themselves... Nobody really, when they don't want an entry point to who they are, you are not getting one. And that's why Haru felt like the most kind of open wound in the movie. I really loved her. And I loved her struggle and that very difficult scene where she was being assaulted by her, you know, sugar daddy. And he could have stopped it. Yeah. And... Just as much as I loved that they showed me this, his connection and him remembering her and taking the time to out of his weird days to keep that connection, he's not a guy who's stopping other people from their impulses and their crimes. Somebody wants to do something that might be against popular advice, who's he to say? You mentioned earlier that Maybe the thing he hates about his dad is just being told specifically how to live his life the Mm -hmm. right way. And he doesn't care about any right or wrong way. Everybody, let everybody murder anyone they want. Let somebody rape the woman that he might actually have a connection with. And also to have her mother, you know, when he might stop it. Yeah. That's the, the closest to a shred of humanity. When he, finally considers stopping this crime and he's uh, immediately stopped by the mother. Yeah, she know. still wants her lifestyle paid for. Right. And I'd, this is what she has to accept
1: yeah, for that's, her lifestyle. That's the toughest part of the movie for sure. Is when he could. This is the one moment in the movie where you're rooting for Inukizu to actually kill to someone, brutally murder a man. And you don't get that. And he never does get that guy. Mm hmm. And uh, yeah, none none of the right people get killed in this movie. Yeah, so there's that. The... <laughs> it's a dark. It's a. It was. Uh, I, I found myself uh, feeling kind of dark after this movie. It's a, Definitely, it's, there's disturbing elements. Uh, there's a lot of just yeah cruelty on screen. It's it's uh, It's not an easy watch. It are the, it's the same kind
0: of tricks that Hanneke brings into his movies, where if you go into it waiting for the payoff, you're gonna yeah. come off upset most likely i've some of the most intense opposed reactions to movies from people that i've known are from his movies like it's weird for somebody to tell you that their most hated movie is the white ribbon <laughs> you know like oh really you saw sir he's a kind of guy that people see his movies but can still get upset by what they feel afterwards about those movies and they can't always explain what they hate about his movies. <laughs> well, I think I'm,
1: I'm on record as I'm never going to watch funny games again. That's for goddamn sure. And I can't argue with you <laughs> on that, man.
0: I mean, who would want to go back and live with some of those characters? Who, yeah. Why are they doing this? And that's why, what is he getting vengeance for? We, You don't get the payoff. And we're kind of taught to wait for the payoff in life. And you don't get a payoff with these directors, and that is difficult, even for me, man Mm -hmm. who likes movies. Sometimes you just find yourself wanting it. And I didn't get there in "Vengeance is Mine." I saw what I saw. What kind of story it was? I saw what we were getting. I'm not waiting for like a. We better find out what his vengeance is for. Like, yeah, yeah, even the title—it
1: doesn't matter. Yeah, that title, "Vengeance is Mine," is. uh, That's a strange one. It's
0: such a like. You picture a man standing on a battlefield, like, on his enemies with his,
1: you know. or Or a guy who's going to take on the system, man. there's nothing triumphant here.
0: You know, there's no conquering anything. And that, I can imagine, can be a... That's a difficult watch, even if you know what you're getting into, because it just feels you... It leaves you in a different emotional place (laughs) than any other movies. I've loved... uh, or at least been intrigued enough to think about for weeks after every Haneke movie I've seen. Doesn't mean I, I like them, but right. they always make me like send they, me they on to these. Uh, they hit different. They send me on <laughs> spiraling into different thoughts well, like them or love them. It's kind and, of what I've
1: been doing the last 24 hours. Yeah. Since that's watching the same thing.
0: You, I know I I loved this movie and explaining that briefly to somebody. You know, this is not a movie to recommend uh, to your co-worker when sure. you pass by him in the uh, supply room. Oh, hey, Mike, I saw this great... Uh, <laughs> check out Vengeance is Mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crime movie. Check it out. You're going like, to love it. You can't really... You, you know who and who not to recommend this to. I'm not telling my parents about this one, even though I think it's one of the most
1: important pieces of Japanese cinema I've ever seen. But... I, yeah, I, I think it would be hard for me to even just like on a Criterion forum or something. Just like, oh, if you like Criterion Collection, you are gonna like <laughs> Vengeance Is Mine. Like, I, like I am not joking. This is a tough. This was a tough watch. Yeah. Yet I not would, not, a, not not where I was gonna turn it off ever. I would always like. I would encourage everybody to check. watch it, but I don't see myself bringing it up
0: just yeah. out of the blue as a recommended movie. Yeah. And that's not me being opposed to you know cold offensive movies. I love happiness. I freely recommend happiness, and that has some troubled people, right? Of course,
1: (laughs) as the main characters. Well, I think it's great that we actually got to then do this movie because, yeah, this is not one that would just automatically come up on a list of you know Japanese cinema. Yeah, and yeah, when I kind of brought up the idea of foreign films doing more international cinema. Yeah, if you're thinking Japanese, uh, yeah, automatically you're going to go to something like I was thinking like Kurosawa. Japanese wh- horror, and then I was thinking uh, Kurosawa. Yeah, J-horror, or mm-hmm. you're going to do something like an anime, you know, Akira or something like that. So, yeah, to, for <laughs> us to find this kind <laughs> we of... We thought of, uh, yeah, Studio Ghibli sure, stuff yeah, right. we thought about. Uh, which will all be coming eventually. Yeah, it'll come eventually. But we had to really dig in deep to this little corner of... It could have been that little cool, inception late 70s. of
0: when I saw it on your shelf. In the beautiful That's package. It, Remember, I looked it out. Yeah, I yeah. loved
1: the box art. We yeah. talked about it for a little bit. It's got, it's got a boob on the cover of the it's box art. It's got cover boob. Guys. So, yeah. Nip- there you go. Nipple did we tell on you about, the cover.
0: Did we tell you about the Hot Springs buns in this movie? Because <laughs> you'll get
1: some Hot Springs buns. Oh, we didn't even get into the backwashing scene. <laughs> that, that scene
0: when, whew, when Inukizu's wife, who he doesn't really care about, this man has kids. This dude has kids. You don't know anything less. about these kids in this movie. Couldn't care less. Not, not a family man. <laughs> and uh, the relationship and the attraction the daughter-in-law has with this father's... You get a sense she's attracted to his conviction, which right. we brought up earlier. And he is denying himself. You know He has the same desire, but he's denying it in the name of something that he feels is more powerful than him. And that's what a lot of this depiction of society feels that they're just denying what they know would be a happiness for something bigger that Mm -hmm. they can't really explain some people really struggle with explaining their bigger convictions you know Kizu's importance is that he does not care what the meaning of life is he is not looking for a greater explanation he just is Mm -hmm. that hot springs backwashing scene was this like such a passionate, uh, bizarre scene. Very unexpected. Yeah, Didn't expect that relationship to unfold in any way. I wasn't uh, expecting that at all. But it wasn't this, like, we need to put
1: some boobs in the movie.
0: Because it's not like it's just exploiting this nudity. Well,
1: this is an unrated, like... <laughs> This is unrated. So, sure. There's, there's a lot of humping in this movie. Well, there's a, there's a <laughs> lot of unwanted
0: humping, and then uh, yeah, yeah. a lot of people humping where you really get the sense that it's not Doesn't look totally and, uh But nobody... Ah, it's difficult. I know. It's a difficult watch. And th- these interactions are so fascinating because even with people who should hate each other, there's a lot of understanding. She understands what she has to do to keep this in. You know, they these people understand their consequences and accept them. They're just hard to understand sometimes. And there's a lot of that denial of happiness that is just tough to watch. It's tough to watch from the outside looking in to see somebody deny a happiness or a small joy, even though... It's very hypocritical, and movies like this remind me of how hypocritical it is, because I'm sure there's several changes we all could make, that we even kind of know we should make, Mm. It would probably lead to us being slightly happier. We all kind of learn to parse out joy. You know, I don't want to (laughs) overindulge. I don't want to risk too much of a good thing. It's a weird phrase to think about, too much of a good thing. But we all get it. We all understand it. But it's to deny that happiness and Mm. this movie kind of denies the characters their happiness and denies the viewers that any kind of payoff or satisfaction and I get it and I like it for that it's it's a really powerful movie in unexpected ways that can really be for a character I don't relate to (laughs) in action it's a character that has really you know It's really good for these introspective kind of thoughts. It's the really kind of thing that you can go on a walk with and think about this film. And if I hadn't gotten Inception by your little laser disc and (laughs) then kind of hit me that, you know, I got the Criterion
1: DVD and mine's unopened. This is a movie that we've both probably each owned for a decade and not watched it. I opened that box set and it was like, the guy before me did not play this movie. Like it, <laughs> you can tell when a disc untouched. It had never been played. Gorgeous. Um, yeah, it was nice.
0: Yeah, I took the shrink wrap off, yeah. took the sticker off the top. It's like, well, you've been sitting on this shelf for 10 years, buddy. Yeah. You're going for a spin. So that kind of drove me more than anything, was that this movie that both of us had had, and then something in our brain was, not, was picking every other movie off the shelf before this one. And I'm glad we finally... Landed
1: I, on. I it. like I like that I like that. Yeah, it's uh it's a natural way for us to get here, and, and we'll uh, get to
0: more. But yeah. I like this entry point. It it came to this. This movie <laughs> is out there. This is regarded as a high point in especially 1970s Japanese cinema, when a lot of the the legends were making less and less films. Uh, coincidentally, I hadn't mentioned this. There's a lot of Hitchcock in this. Mm-hmm. I did mention Patricia Highsmith who Sure, yeah, you know, Hitchcock famously adapted. But even in late era Hitchcock, his movie Frenzy oh, John yeah. Finch really felt yeah you know, that was his what, like second to last movie? Uh, I think so, yeah. Seeing these Early older 70s. directors who are known for a totally different thing. Hitchcock seeing his how he changes through the eras, still being him, but adapting to each new era. You had mentioned Imamura was, you know, Japanese new wave, making these kind of more punk rock, early 60s movies about undesirables and, you know, the lower class, the prostitutes, the pig farmers. Yeah, yeah. That was his people that he was putting on film. And he's still putting those people on film, but it has like a different
1: grit to it. Him making a film in 79, which was a very... Returning to narrative after documentary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, taking all of that experience. Yeah, it's just new era for him here yeah yeah
0: it's it's fascinating to see these masters move into a different era and create these wholly unique cool things with their own touches you know the joy that i get from david lynch doing a g rated movie <laughs> you know in yeah this is like the opposite of that this is the opposite of lynch <laughs> doing the straight story a man doing 10 years of documentaries being like I'm gonna do some sociopath true crime. Hell yeah. And really just And just fracture it up. Let these scenes play out and yeah. let you live with this man on his on his eighty day on the lamb. I was I was hit. I think it came to this. Man. I find, think it did. Find this picture. Whew. It's uh it's it's an can... investment, but a very interesting and worthy
1: investment. In your in your film watching, yeah, you can uh, rent it on the Prime, It looks like so. Yeah, it it is not an obscure movie. If, you, if you're if you're looking for something, uh, yeah, a little darker, a little more intense, uh, something that's going to command your attention and and uh, your focus a little bit, check this one out. But be prepared going in. But yeah, it is difficult. We warned you. <laughs> uh, I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. Thank you guys for listening. Good night.